Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Orange Fizz, you Syracuse superfans. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined by my co-host J.D. Rocci. And a tough game down in Raleigh for Tommy DeVito. He was sacked eight times, and Syracuse just never got anything going. They ended up losing 16-10. to What can we really tell from this team? Is the offense just really this bad? I mean, it certainly seems so. There are three games against legitimate defenses, so that's Maryland, Clemson, and now NC State on, on Thursday night. They, they haven't played well. That's a simple fact of the matter. They put up 20 points against Maryland in a game that was not even close. They scored a couple of touchdowns. They had a couple of nice plays in that game. Clemson, they got absolutely shut down. The defense gave them a chance to kind of stick around a little bit against the number one team in the country, and the offense just didn't back them up. And then in this game, very, very similar. You're going up against an ACC opponent, an opponent that you should and could beat pretty easily, a team that you're in, they're on their second quarterback of the year, his first career start. The defense gives you a chance to win this football game, and the offense falls flat once again. It, it just seems to become it seems to be becoming a trend for the Syracuse team. Is hey, we can we can light it up against against inferior competition. We can put up 41 points against Holy Cross. We can put up 55, you know, against Western Michigan. But then when you get to a team of any caliber, it, it, they just fall apart and they look incompetent offensively. Yeah, Tommy DeVito was sacked eight times tonight. That happened against Clemson as well. And he just hasn't been able to get comfortable in the pocket, obviously. We don't know what's going on with Sam Heckle, really. He's been a no-show. And the running game as well suffered just 41 net yards. But you mentioned the defense played well, and they didn't have Ifeema Lafonwu or Andre Sisco. And I know NC State's on their second quarterback, but to hold that team to 16 points, that's still saying something at their home turf. But we need to see more of the offense, especially Nikeem Johnson. Taj Harris may or may not have gotten hurt in this game. Outside of Tristan Jackson, there's really nobody lighting it up on this whole offense. I think a lot of it has to do with the offensive line. You mentioned Sam Heckle. I think people kind of underrated that loss when it happened right after the Liberty game because you thought, oh, well, Aaron Service played center last year, so you'll just slide him in. Ryan Alexander, a grad transfer, he's got some experience. Carlos Vettorello, uh, in his second season with the program, and then you've got two really good guards in Dakota Davis and Evan Adams. Uh, that hasn't been the case, and they've really suffered as a result. I mean, every single thing, I think offensive line, and this is this may be a consensus take here, but I think the offensive line might be the most underrated part of football. If you don't have a good offensive line, you likely don't have a good quarterback. You don't have a good running game, and that's not and that's not anything on the talent of the quarterback or on the talent of the running game. But when Tommy DeVito's got a defender in his pocket right after he takes the snap, that's not making matters easy. And I'm not making excuses for Tommy. He's got a, he's straight up got to be better. But he completed almost 75% of his passes last night for over 300 yards and a touch, or on Thursday I should say, for over 300 yards and a touchdown. That's those are good numbers, but when you get sacked eight times, you start to lose faith in yourself. You start to get banged up, and I think Tommy's a little bit more banged up than people are letting on. Something with that middle of the body injury that he suffered against Holy Cross. Yeah, he had a week to work on it, 
with the bye week, but he didn't look comfortable last night or on Thursday night. And I, I just think that's a lot of that is because of the fact that he's got no time. I mean, this Syracuse offensive line is 123rd out of 130 FBS teams in sacks allowed per game. Almost four sacks allowed per game. 16 combined sacks between NC State and Clemson, the two best defenses you've played this season. That's a problem. You cannot have a good football team if your offensive line cannot get the job done. And Syracuse has shown time and time again this season that their offensive line can't get the job done. And it's something that's got to change. Sam Heckle might be the most important piece to get back in terms of guys you need to get back from injury, even with Ify Melifano and Andre Sisco out defensively. Games are won and lost in the trenches, as we all know. And I think maybe until you get Sam Heckle back, there's only a couple different scenarios that Syracuse can do to give Tommy more protection. And that's kind of put a guy like Chris Elmore in the backfield. Because obviously your offensive line isn't going to get done. Mo Neal, Abdul Adams, not great pass blocking backs. But Chris Elmore, that's a 300-pound guy who is now a tight end, but has played fullback, obviously, when Syracuse goes to the goal line, he, he's a big part of that. Here's the problem with playing Chris Elmore. Great, he's a good blocker. He helps you in the pass game. He is a complete non-factor in the run game. He's never going to catch a pass. He's literally just a sixth offensive lineman. You're taking a skill position player off the field, and, and you're already struggling so much at those skill positions. The only guy, like you said, that's impressed is Tristan Jackson this season. And frankly, I think a little bit that of that is on the play calling. A little bit of that is that usually Tristan Jackson's going to be your first read, and Tommy DeVito has so really only shown the ability to go, okay, I'm going to make my one read. If it's not there and the pressure's coming, I'm going to scramble, throw it away, maybe throw a pick, take a sack. He took a sack at the end of the game yesterday that you cannot take. You cannot take a sack when you need a touchdown with no timeouts and less than 20 seconds to go. You have got to get rid of the football at some point or another. So the offensive line's not helping out. Tommy's not going through his reads very well. The skill position players aren't there. I mean, this offense just looks like it's in shambles. They're averaging 12 points a game against FBS competition or against Power 5 competition this season. They scored 20 against Maryland, 6, 6 against Clemson, and then they scored 10 last night, all of them coming in the second half. That is straight up not good enough. You've still got... The ACC gauntlet coming up. I don't care if the ACC is having a down year. I don't care if the ACC is not as good as it usually is. I don't care if Florida State's not as intimidating as they used to be. you still got to play Florida State on the road. you still got to play a good Duke team on the road. You've still got to welcome in a good Wake Forest team on senior day, a Wake Forest team that has one of the best wideouts in the ACC in Sage Surratt and has surprised a lot of teams, a top 25 competitor at this point in the season. Something's got to change for this offense. It's got to change offensive line. You got to get healthy. You got to find some way to get healthy so you can slide service back out to left tackle and then do what you will. Pick between Carlos Federello uh, and and, uh, Ryan and Ryan Alexander. Right. You got to pick between those two guys. Figure it out. Get this offensive line going because the first two years of Dino Babers, the offensive line was already an issue. You had talent on the offensive line, but you had a lot of injuries and it all kind of stockpiled and held the team back. You thought it was going to be a problem last year. At times it was a problem last year. But you had a mobile quarterback in Eric Dungy that could escape the pocket and make something out of nothing. Tommy's shown that ability at times this season. Great. It's not as good as Eric Dungy. It's not as easy to play make as it would be with Eric Dungy. So the offensive line straight up has to be better. I think, honestly, that's the genesis 
of a lot of the issues for Syracuse. And then I think the play calling, too, has been not bad, but not imaginative, not innovative like it used to be, not, hey, let's get our guy in a rhythm. I understand the whole thing of Tommy's got a big arm. Let's get him some down-the-field throws. But why was the offense so good the last couple of years? Offensive line. Offensive line and the fact that they got the ball out quick. They let Eric Dungey get into a rhythm. They lulled the defense to sleep, and then they went over the top and could attack you with Nikeem Johnson, who, quite frankly, I mean, put a, put, put a missing persons alert out for him. I mean, he's caught he, – I know in the Western Michigan game, he got three passes for four yards. He was non-existent last night – or on Thursday night again. Yeah, like, where is one. he? He's supposed to be your third or fourth best wideout. He's a starting wide receiver. Cam Jordan had a better game than him than he did on Thursday. Good on Cam Jordan for coming in and making the plays he needed. Of course, Taj Harris, uh, we saw him getting upset and kind of venting on the sidelines. But, I mean, where's Nikeem Johnson? Where's Taj Harris on a consistent basis? The thing with Taj is he'll give you a 30-yard catch every game. That's he'll it. give you two catches for, like, 54 yards. One's 30 and one's another almost 20. Other than that, nothing. You don't have a reliable – you just got nothing outside of Tristan Jackson. You thought maybe Aaron Hackett. Nope. Not not against North Carolina State. Like, something's got to change offensively for Syracuse because right now it is heading in a horrendous direction. And when we see DeVito try to play make, he likes to roll out to his right, and when he rolls out to his right, he kind of likes to throw interceptions. He did it against Maryland. He did it against Clemson. He's not ready to play make at the ability that Dungy was. And a lot of that's the offensive line, obviously, but a lot of it is they've got to establish that short passing game like they did against Holy Cross. But in this game, when they needed a long drive, when they needed actual big plays and throws to the sideline, 20-yard pickups at the end of the game when they are going for that touchdown, they were throwing eight yards in the middle of the field and trying to get down every single play. To be fair, it worked pretty well. I mean, Sean Riley over the middle two times on that last drive, made great catches, picked up first down, stopped the clock with no timeouts. Uh, but then the the false start penalty killed the drive. M- absolutely murdered it. They were in a rhythm. They were going. They were moving. Y- y- you can't have a penalty at that point. And, and a lot of people, I know I saw on Twitter, a lot of people are saying, well, it was, you know, it was clearly offsides on NC State. Watch the video. It was probably an offsides against NC State. But still, you got to be disciplined. You got to be not so much in a rhythm or in a – in a rush, I should yeah. say, that you're even risking possibly maybe taking a false start penalty at that spot in the game. But straight up, the the offense has to be better. There's no question about it. But you mentioned the defense, how well they played. I mean, you give up 16 points against an ACC team. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, they gave up 61 against Maryland. I think that was a bit of an anomaly. As I also thought the Liberty game was an anomaly, only giving up zero. Yeah, You give up 41 against Clemson. Some of that was a little bit of garbage time. You really only gave up probably 34 points in that game if you take away the garbage time TD. Defense is playing well, like you said, without Ify Melifon, without Andre Sisco. How about Andrew Armstrong? I mean, the kid game. The kid lives to play against North Carolina State. Yeah, He had the huge interception in the Dome last year. He had a huge interception on Thursday night. And he had 14 tackles including the one on the final NC State drive that set Syracuse up with an opportunity to win. I mean, he, he stood on his head. And this defense, as much as they're, they're dealing with a serious injury in the middle too, like they haven't had McKinley Williams the whole season. 
They don't have an inside. You know, they have Josh Black. That's great. They have Curtis Harper. He's all right. They don't have McKinley Williams, who's their best interior defensive lineman. They haven't had him the whole season. They were hoping he was going to be back against NC State. He's not. So the fact that they're playing this well, and I'm not saying NC State's this high-flying offense. Oh, my God, you held them to 16. That's unbelievable. But you hold any team to 16 points in the ACC. Dino Baber said that's great. That's good. That's what you need. Yeah, they should win those games. Obviously, Dino Babers is the offensive mastermind. If you hold any team to 16, like you said, you got to win. We need more points. But when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into the defense, switch from the po- the negative to the positive, excuse me. You're listening to Fizz Radio, only on the... Welcome back into the score, 1260. This is Fizz Radio. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined by my co-host, J.D. Rachi. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, J.D., but... Syracuse winning this game without Andre Sisco, without Ify Melifonwu. I know NC State was playing their new starting quarterback, Bailey Hockman, but Syracuse, Syracuse's defense played well, especially for an offense that kept going three and out, putting the defense on the field time and time again, wearing them out. They didn't really break in this game. It was an impressive performance from the defense. You look back to the Liberty game and you say, wow, this defense is unreal. Like, this defense is going to be... Can anybody stop them? Like, are they going to give up a single point all season? Like, eight sacks, negative four rushing yards. Then you go ahead and get you, you get housed by Maryland the next week. You give up 61. You give up over 350 rushing yards. And you're like, oh, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a reality check. Then Clemson gives it to you in the Dome. But, again, in that Clemson game, like, that could have been a lot worse without the Syracuse defense. Like, the offense was pitiful. The defense set them up in great positions. They returned two interceptions inside the 10-yard line. Like, the defense has been good this season. It really has. Maybe that's not translated to the win-loss column because they're 3-3 and on the year. They're looking kind of at, I don't want to say a disappointing year. We'll get into that during during Fizz feedback and uh, later in the show and, and kind of when, it, even in this, uh, this part of the show when we kind of look at, ahead at what this Syracuse season could end up being. But when you look at the defense... I mean, net positive on Thursday. Net positive for the defense, undoubtedly. You're playing with two, playing without two of your best defensive backs. You're playing without probably your best defensive player in Andre Sisco. I mean, Antoine Cordy's going up against Emeka Amezi, who towers over him. Antoine Cordy's 5'8", 5'9". Imagine if you have Ify Melofano at 6'3", going up against Amezi instead of Antoine Cordy at corner. You're probably even in an even better spot, and you still only gave up 16 points. Like, this is a good defense. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, you're you're not playing – you're playing without McKinley Williams. You're playing without those two guys, like I mentioned. You're getting great production from your linebackers at a- and Andrew Armstrong and Lakeem Williams, who are the big question marks for the defense coming into the season. Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman, not as dominant as you might expect, but still effective. Still with a lot of QB hurries. Maybe not a ton of sacks, but this defense is good. Yeah, no, it is a good defense, and like you mentioned, they th- there is a little stat padding against them in games like Clemson, for example. But Kendall Coleman, Alden Robinson, they've been they've been coming on a little bit recently. Kendall Coleman had half a sack in this one. Robinson had a sack, so they were getting to the quarterback a little bit, getting pressure from the edge, and like we saw last year, that that maybe that's a lot from the middle. Chris Slayton was the guy last year. Josh Black kind of filling that role this year. He's not Chris Slayton esque, but he's doing his role. He's doing a good job. And the secondary, like you mentioned, has been good without your two best guys back there. Antoine Cordy, he 
he did about as well as you could have at, at He's a good player. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Antoine Cordy's a good player. He's he's here in his sixth year for a reason, and, and they want to keep him around the program for a reason. He's gritty. He's strong. He's fast. He's got good instincts. He's got experience. Just the fact of the matter that a guy like Emeka Messi is going to bully you in terms of pure size and physical strength. Like, pound for pound, Antoine Cordy might be the strongest guy on the Syracuse football team outside of Josh Black because that guy's just a, a freak of nature. I mean, he— if you've never seen him, I highly suggest looking up the La Familia episode that was kind of focused on him. I mean, the dude is a brick house, yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen. But Antoine Cordy, he's been known to be one of the stronger guys on the team. I don't care how strong you are at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, if you're going up against a guy that like Emeka Mezzi who's over six foot, he's going to go over the top of you. He's going to jam you at the line. And it's not like Mezzi had the most brilliant game and he had like 10 catches for 190 yards and three touchdowns, but he had a very effective game. He had a good game. Like, you're, those things are going to happen. But the fact that Antoine Cordy's sticking in there and not allowing him to have a huge game is impressive. The other thing I take away from this, this performance from the defense, they have been awful against the run this year. I mean, they have gotten gashed by running backs this year. Maryland, 350 yards. Uh, Clemson, ETN runs all over them. Trevor Lawrence runs all over them. Uh, they had the Chaz Malusi, I think his name, like their third string running back. Mm-hmm. He ran all. He had a fifty-plus yard touchdown. Western Michigan, you get gashed. I mean, great, great win and all, but you got gashed as a run unit on defense. Much better against NC State. One hundred and four net yards, sixty-one and fifty-four for their top two backs. That's pretty good. That's better than what Syracuse had been allowing. Yeah, no, that's not bad. The thing that kind of concerns me, though, is their top two running backs average 4.1 and 4.2 yards per carry. So, obviously, I mean, NC State ran it 34 times, so they were they were pounding the rock a little bit. But those guys were picking up yardage when they needed to. But going back to Antoine Cordy a little bit, yeah, Mecca Mezzi had five receptions for 77 yards. But that's their top guy. That's the guy that Bailey Hawkman, who's obviously, as we mentioned, his first career start, he's going to be targeting Mecca Mezzi all game long. And, I mean, besides that, like, yeah, the, the linebackers have played well. Andrew Armstrong, like you mentioned, J.D., question mark heading into the season. Lakeem Williams as well. Every year it seems that Syracuse replaces their linebacking core. They're going to have to do it again next year. Both of those guys are seniors. And it, it seems like they do a pretty effective job of got, getting guys to come in and plug and play every year. And I think this team is loaded defensively for the next couple of years. You look at the talent that they have for at least next season. You're going to have Ify Milifonwu at corner. You're going to have Andre Sisco back. Granted, you're losing two really good edge rushers in Alton Robinson and uh, and Kendall Coleman, but you got Kingsley Jonathan. He'll be back. Your linebackers of the future, Mikel Jones has been great. He's pretty much the third linebacker at this point. Juan Wallace, another IMG Academy guy, he's been impressive as a sophomore. And then you got Lee Koba, who yeah, he's getting some snap. His he's getting some special team snaps, but that's a four-star recruit. He got bumped down to three stars. That's a whole nother story yeah. and issue. But either way, Lee Cobb and Mikel Jones at the linebacker spot for the next couple of years, good. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Eric Coley continues to be impressive as he kind of fills the role w- with the injuries in the secondary. Like, you're set up to be good long-term defensively. That's a promising kind of trend for Syracuse. You've got good defensive ends stockpiled. Cooper Dawson's a great DN, a true freshman. Hasn't played, probably won't play. Probably just going to take the red shirt. That's fine. Save him. He's really good. you got Stevie Linton. He's great. 
You got Jason Munoz, an, a, another guy in the middle that that can that can impact the game. Like you've got guys that can that can be effective long term for Syracuse. Like this defense could be really good in the next couple of years. Like really, really good, and continue to be impressive and not have those kind of outlier games like you had against Clemson and, and Maryland. You've still got talent coming in the next couple of seasons. Drew Tuazama is another one who's a really young guy. I think he's a freshman as well. Yeah. But last year, last year's recruiting class really showed they, – they brought all these guys in. Jones, Koba, like all these guys were from a year ago. So we really saw this staff say, all right, well, we have the offense. we got to emphasize the defense in this recruiting class. This year might be the opposite. But there's a lot of really young talent on this defense, a lot to look forward to for Syracuse. And, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really excited, maybe more so. It, what's going to be concerning is replacing Kendall Coleman and Alden Robinson because, yeah, you've got guys there, but... You can't play... The thing is, you're going to have Kingsley Jonathan. That's yeah. great. You'll have him. You need him because you can't play two redshirt freshmen at defensive end. You're going to get torn apart in the ACC. Like, ACC offensive lines are just too good to play two redshirt freshmen at that spot. But but you you got a little bit of defensive end room to grow. I'm losing two of the best pass rushers in the ACC. It's going to hurt. Yeah. It's it's not going to be pretty for Syracuse. Especially I I was looking through a couple of mock drafts, uh you know, tank for two and all that kind of stuff for for the NFL draft next season. All three of them I looked at, Alton Robinson, first round pick. Wow. All three, you know where he's going? Where? Staying in upstate New York. I was going Buffalo. to the Bills. Going to the Bills uh in around the 20 to 26 range wherever the Bills kind of end up. They're looking great first of all, but that's neither here nor there. So you're, you're you're losing some, but you're bringing in more in terms of what you got on defense for Syracuse. So I'm excited to see what this defense does the rest of the season. NC State, not a great offense. You're not going to play too many super high-powered, hit you in the mouth, we're going to score a bunch of points on you offenses the rest of the season in terms of what they've got left on the schedule. But I'll be interested to see what they can do. Can they back up this performance with a strong performance inside the Dome against a pesky pit team a pit team with, with quarterback Kenny Pickett who he has big games sometimes they've got the pit special like they can throw some wrinkles in uh Marquise French is w- one of the best uh you know all-around players in the ACC in terms of what he can do uh what he can do with the football in his hand, hands and how effective he is in, in terms of the kind of explosive plays he can make. I should say Maurice French, not Marquise. I beg your pardon, but he's been described as a cheat code. So what can the defense do against that kind of team next week against Pitt? That's something I think is going to be very interesting to watch. And then you look at the rest You look at the rest of the schedule for Syracuse. You've still got games against really good teams. It's the ACC, especially with Syracuse not looking as effective as you would like them to. Heading into the heart of ACC play, you still got to play at Florida State the week after Pitt. That's a tough game. I don't care if Florida State is down. I don't care if they have Alex Hornerbrook at quarterback or James Blackman, whoever they have out there. Playing at Dote Campbell Stadium is no easy task. Fact of the matter, point blank, period. Then you got to play Boston College at Duke, at Louisville. Louisville's starting to get a little bit better as the season rolls along. And then you got Wake Forest. Like, this is still a formidable ACC going forward. So the defense, continue doing what you're doing. Translate what you did against NC State to the rest of the season. Keep playing like that, please. That's great. We like that a lot. 
get your guys back and be even better. Continue to get takeaways. You've got 20 straight games with a takeaway. That's the second longest streak active in the FBS behind only Mississippi State, who, depending on how they play today, who knows, maybe Syracuse by the end of the day today has the longest active FBS streak. But this is still, so defense keep playing what you're playing. Offense has to get better because the way this looks right now, you're not going to have as good of a season as you did a year ago. You'd have to win out at this point. You'd have to beat Pitt at home, at Florida State, beat BC at home, at Duke, at Louisville versus Wake Forest to have an identical 9-3 and record to what you did in the regular season last year. Probably not going to happen. Is it a loss? I don't think so. Because I think people have very skewed expectations now for this team. Because they had one 10-3 and season. It was a lot of fun. We had tons of fun covering it here at the Fizz. Like, we had fun doing it. Like, it was a great season. But think about it. You're a year, two years removed from back-to-back four and eight seasons. You're only year four in the Dino Babers era. Let's temper our expectations a little bit. We don't need 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins. That's the only way for this to be a successful season. You go 8-4. and four, You go 7-5. and 7-5 and five doesn't sound great. 8-4 and four sounds pretty good to me. And then you get a win in a bowl game. You go 9-4. and four. That's not bad. Yeah, no, that's a good season. And I, I don't know if I'm ready to say 8-4 and four for this team. But we'll get into a little bit more of the season-long outlook as well as next week. Pitt, that's a tough team coming in to the Dome. I don't know, Matt. It's going to be a tough season, and seven and five. I'll I'll take it at this point. But seven and five sounds decent. Yeah. I mean, let's temper our expectations. Like we can't expect them to get ten wins in back-to-back seasons after being the laughing stock of the ACC during the Scott Schaefer era. Like, yeah, you went to the Texas Bowl, great, whoop-de-doo. Like, yeah. not a great team. I understand that this the culture has changed. The expectations are high. Let's reel it in a little bit. Let's think to ourselves. Seven and five is a lot better than four and eight. A bowl game is better than no bowl game. Let's be thankful for what we're seeing from Syracuse football. I understand that the loss to NC State is bad. I understand the loss to Maryland was bad. I understand the loss to Clemson was frustrating. Relax. Take a breath. Just a little bit. Also, they're not going to be the only team competing in terms of what we're covering here at Orange Fizz in the next couple of weeks. If you really need a pick-me-up, there's another team that's coming along that could be good, maybe, who knows? They're going to be exciting. They'll be interesting at the very least, so let's relax, let's take a breath, and let's just enjoy it for what it is. And when we come back, we're going to get into more of that other team that's on the horizon and their electric big shooting ability. Something we haven't seen from this team in a long, long time. Maybe. Possibly. It won't be just dribble out on the shot clock, and then chuck up a three with five seconds left. Boy, wouldn't that be something. We'll get into that. You're listening to Fizz Radio only on The Score, 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio only on The Score, 1260. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined by J.D. Rachi, and this might be the, mo- the segment I'm most excited for, J.D. We finally get to talk Syracuse basketball. It's right around the corner. And uh, it's an exciting team this year. It's a young team. The defense may not be as good. They're bringing in a lot of good young freshmen, a lot of shooting ability on this team. But one guy who Jim Beheim apparently is very, very hyped about, saying that he could be a top five guy in the conference, Elijah Hughes. I mean, he's going to be the go-to guy. He's the number one guy this year. There's no question. There's he is the alpha dog. Like he is the one thing I'm I'm excited to see about Elijah Hughes. We know that Tyus Battle could flat out take over a basketball game in the last 10 minutes. He had that killer Mamba mentality 
He, of course, ties to a huge Kobe fan. Does Elijah Hughes have that same thing in him? Does he have that killer instinct? That's what's going to be interesting about Elijah Hughes. But at ACC Media Day earlier this week, and then uh, Syracuse is having their own Media Day on Friday, but at ACC Media Day, Jim Beheim said not only does he think that Elijah Hughes can be one of the premier players in the conference, huge praise from Jim Beheim because we all know Jim Beheim does not necessarily give away a ton in terms of what he expects from his guys, but he said Elijah Hughes can do more things than than more things as a player, excuse me, than anybody has been able to do in a while for Syracuse. J- Jim, do you remember you just had Tyus Battle on this team? Right, and that I think that's indicative of how good Elijah Hughes is. Yeah, like if he's saying that about you, if Jim Beheim is heaping praise on you, which does not happen very often, it didn't even happen often with Tyus, and he was bar none the best player on the team the last two years, maybe even the best player on the team as a freshman, on a team that included Tyler Lydon and Andrew White. Eh, that might be an overstatement, but either way, the last two years, definitely your best player. I don't think, not ever, but very rarely did he get that kind of attention and that kind of praise from Jim Beheim. But this is an Elijah Hughes that can do so many things. He's a supreme athlete. You remember the posters. You remember the swats. Great chase down blocker. Oh, so I mean, so much fun to watch. Entertainment value with Elijah Hughes, high. Dude curved one in around the scoreboard at Cameron Indoor from like 75 feet out and nailed it before halftime and that upset win. Like, dude can flat out play. He's entertaining to watch. He's a great shooter. And that's that's a huge improvement for Syracuse. Two years ago, next to last in the ACC in shooting. Thought Buddy Beheim would help that out. Maybe Jalen Carey could be able to shoot the three last year. Buddy did... In conference play, he was great in the ACC, terrible in non-conference play. Uh, uh, but, again, middle they, they improved in the three-point shooting department last year, up to the middle of the pack, around 7-8 in the conference. But now this is possibly a team that you're looking at, hey, this might be a strength for this team this year. You've got shooting at point guard. Jalen Carey, can he's not the best three-point shooter, but he's athletic, he can distribute it, and he can knock down the jumper every once in a while. Buddy Beheim is a sniper. That's what you want to see. Elijah Hughes is a great three-point shooter. You don't have great three-point shooting at the four or the five in Marek Dolajai and I guess Barama Sidibe. We don't know exactly what the lineup is going to be. Maybe we'll see a freshman start. I doubt a true freshman starts at the five against UVA in the in the opener on November sixth. But then you look at what you, excuse me what you have on the bench. You've got Robert Braswell off the bench. He's a great shooter. He might be the best shooting big man on the team. And then you got the freshman off the bench, too. Joe Girard, great shooter. Obviously. Clearly, that's his thing. He's shooting the three ball. Bryson Gadeen, great shooter. Underrated shooter. Underrated in general. I love Bryson Gadeen, by the way. I he's he's going to be a fantastic player for Syracuse. But the fact that now you've got a guy like Elijah Hughes that can score in so many ways, and you've got a perimeter game that can back it up and be consistent and effective, that's dangerous for Syracuse, even though they're young, even though they have question marks at point guard and at center, and defensively, the offense looks like it could be better than it has been in the last couple of years. And I think this is a team that Coach Beheim might actually utilize his bench a little bit more this year. There's a lot of young guys who can really come in and score points in a hurry. you got Joe Girard. You got Bryson Gooding. You've got Quincy Garrier, who can be kind of your slasher kind of guy. And I'd like to see a big improvement from Jalen Carey this year. 
He started off the season strong a year ago in his true freshman year. Obviously, fell off a cliff. A lot of it can be attributed to the fact that he was banged up throughout the season, and he got put. He got like pushed in the spotlight against UConn at MSG. Lit it up. Was unreal in that game. Scored like what twenty two points. Some twenty eight points. Yeah. Like he was unbelievable. But then there was and there were already expectations. Being a top forty recruit in the country, you play that well, and then all of a sudden you fall off, and you're like, well, what the heck happened to Jalen Carey? Like he's not playing for a reason. We know how this team is about young point guards. Not going to get a ton of playing time in your first year. Fact of the matter. You're going and backing up Frank Howard, who's one of your more important pieces offensively, even when he's not going right. So it's going to be interesting to see what Jalen Carey does this season. You'd obviously like to see him take a step. Uh, But this is a team, I think last year, the expectations were so high for Syracuse. They were picked to finish fourth in the conference. They, they had Elijah Hughes. They had Tyus Battle. They had O'Shea Brissett. They couldn't be stopped. They had Frank Howard. They had all these guys. They had a great starting five, uh, good size as well, pretty good defense. They didn't show up. They didn't have as good of a season. This year, though, picked, fit, picked to finish eighth in the preseason poll. You have a little bit lower expectations. You have a little bit more ability to fly under the radar, except for the fact that, you know, you your openers against the defending national champion. But after that, you have a little bit more of a chance to fly under the radar, maybe be a sneaky team that not many people are expecting to be a quality ACC contender. And who knows? Maybe you put things together and you go in the right direction. The one thing that we're going to get from this team this year, I think, is entertainment value. You're going to be excited to watch this team play because of the freshman class, because of Elijah Hughes, because there are so many question marks. There's plenty of intrigue with this team. It's now whether uh, a question of whether or not they can back it up on the court. And Jim Beheim said he, he likes being the underdog. He doesn't like having that pressure and being able to kind of show people, you know what, this team is better than you thought it was. And he, he clearly thinks that this year he's really high on this shooting ability. The one thing he is a little bit concerned about is this defense. You're putting a lot of freshmen in, obviously. He's got his 2-3 zone. And that takes some time for guys to kind of understand and learn. And we'll see how Joe Girard, Bryson Goodine, Quincy Guerrier respond to that going forward, but you have those guys in place in Jalen Carey, Elijah Hughes, who are really those athletic wings who can make plays on defense, make plays on offense, so we'll see how they do, and then of course, Buddy Beheim just grew up in the zone, so he knows it very well, but when we get back, we're going to get into a little bit of fizz feedback, our, our favorite segment, probably yours too, answer a couple polls, a little questions, break down a little bit more of this Syracuse football and Syracuse basketball team. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined by J.D. Rachi, and let's just get right into it. Our first Fizz feedback question is, what was most to blame for last night's loss to NC State? Tell us why down below, and that's offensive line, stagnant play calling, the refs, or other. Offensive line, the clear winner here, J.D., with 55%, and I think that's the right answer. Yeah, I would agree, too. I mean, the offense in general was not good enough. I think the fact that the refs have 11% of the vote is a little sad. Like, the refs weren't great. Like, they missed calls. They're the refs, though. You put up 10 points. You can't blame the refs for a loss when you only score 10 points. Yeah. You can't. That's just the fact of the matter. I also love the 5% that said other, but no comments. We need that comment. We need to know what they thought it was. Did they think it was like, I, I don't know, like, did they think it was a Thursday? Was it the reason because it was a Thursday night game? Was it like off schedule? I want to know. That's a mystery to me. 
and I'm just a naturally curious and nosy guy. I want to know what the heck is that 5%, but I I agree with the rest of Fizz Nation. 55% of the vote going to offensive line. It's got, it's got to be better. It's affecting every part of the offense. It's affecting Tommy DeVito. It's affecting the run game. It's affecting Tommy DeVito's long-term health, which that's a whole other question. How banged up is he? He looked like he was playing a little bit banged up last night. That also raises the question of how confident is the coaching staff and Clayton Welch as the backup. Apparently not too confident, and that's a little concerning because what if this thing manifests itself and it gets bad? Like, you have to have some sort of backup plan, but either way, offensive line has to get better. Definitely agree with Fizz Nation. Eric Dungey had his own injury problems here, and we had to see guys like Tommy DeVito step up and no backup in place. Well, all right, question number two. What's got you most excited for the 2019-2020 basketball season? Elijah Hughes' emergence, improved three-point shooting, underrated freshman class, or other? Comment below, and we did get a comment on that one, JD, and they said all of the above. Now, uh, the, the winner is improved three-point shooting, 49%. Underrated freshman class comes in at 43%. And I agree with improved three-point shooting, but I think Elijah Hughes' emergence deserves more than 6% of the vote. Yeah, this is a travesty. This is all, I mean, you're entitled to your own opinion. That's great, Fizz Nation. Do what you got to do. I'm excited to see improved three-point shooting. I'm excited for this freshman class. But heck, I mean, Elijah Hughes? I mean, Jim Beheim says he might be a top-five player in the conference? Come on, man. Get excited. Get on the Elijah Hughes train. That kid is exciting. He is going to be the go-to guy this season. Jim Beheim said he was the fourth scoring option on the roster last year, which I don't know how that's possible because yeah. <laughs> you get I get maybe Tyus and maybe O'Shea being above him, but Pascal Chuku is not a scoring option. Marek Dolzhai is not a scoring option. So unless Buddy was the third scoring option and Elijah was considered the fourth. Frank Howard. I, either way, though. Frank Howard, maybe, but, like, yeah. Eh. So he was the fourth scoring option on the team, and he still was second on the team in points. Like, great player. Going to have an increased role this season. Need to see him step up, be a leader as well. That'll be a very interesting storyline to watch throughout the year. Third question on Fizz Feedback is, how do you think the football team finishes the 2019 season? Eight to nine wins in a good bowl, six to seven wins in an eh bowl. Back to the same, no bowl. And the winner is six to seven wins. 64%, but 34% of people don't think they get to that bowl game. Overreaction. Calm down. Like, you didn't play well against NC State. You were on the road. NC State's a good football team. They're not as good as they were last year, but you're obviously not as good as you were last year either. I'm I'm, sh- I'm surprised at the lack of eight to nine wins in a bowl, in a good bowl vote. It's 3% of the vote. Uh, I would be more I would be more inclined to pick eight to nine wins and a good bowl than I would be to pick back to the same no bowl. Like I just don't envision a world where Syracuse doesn't get unless injuries really start to pile up and things go really wrong. You can't win three out of the next what they have six games left. You can't win three out of the next six. Like you can't go five hundred like you have at the beginning of the season. That'd be a big problem. Yeah, that that'd be very concerning for the future. Question number four, how do you think Syracuse basketball will handle the hole at the center position? Sidibe's got it. Go small, spread it out. Big playing time for the freshman. And go small, spread it out with 41% wins. Sidibe's got it at 39%. This is the position I'm really, really concerned about, and I think hampers Syracuse for the whole season. I think they're just going to play Sidibe mostly. I'm excited to see this go small, spread it out option. Syracuse has the ability, with what they've got this season, to go with a death lineup of sorts. It, it's not going to be the death lineup that Golden State used to throw out there with KD at the four and all, all that kind of stuff. But 
You've got the ability to throw Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim, Elijah Hughes, Robert Braswell slash Quincy Guerriere, whoever you want to have at the four, and then Marek Dolajai at the five. Yes, you're going to struggle to defend bigger teams. That might be an issue. But the ability to score the basketball with that lineup is dangerous. I like that. Spread it out. Let it ride. Marek Dolajai, good defender, can defend bigger guys. And finally, which freshman are you most excited to watch for Syracuse basketball? Joe Girard, Bryson Goodine, Quincy Guerrier, or Jesse Edwards? And Quincy Guerrier wins with 50%. J.D. and I are both big Wildly fans. Wildly underrated Bryson, Bryson Goodine. He needs more votes, only 19% of the vote. Exciting freshman class. That'll do it for J.D. Raji. I'm Thomas Schultz. This has been Fizz Radio, only on the score, 1260.